Hello, welcome to The Take. Thank you for stepping into the frame. We've got news coming up right now. Hi there, everybody. Thank you for stepping into the frame tonight. This is Drew Malone, and today we're going to be talking about different things happening on this day after Christmas. December 26, 2020. I think everyone's glad, first of all, this is the last few days of this seemingly very long and endless year of 2020, where the coronavirus pandemic hit us in March, and we've gone through a number of different events, protests, riots, uh, pandemics, uh economic fallouts, uh, unemployment, uh, you name it, 2020's got it. I think this is uh, probably the most uh, nerve-wracking Christmas that I have uh, ever experienced in my lifetime, in my 25 years of life that I remember. Um, uh, I don't think I ever remember a time or position where the nation is holding its breath about this coronavirus bailout package, the defense spending bill. But there's some very uh, strange things that go along with that as well. And that's really what's in this bill. What's in this coronavirus relief bill is the relief itself, and then it's all the pork that goes with it. The fact that we have all this millions and millions and even up to billions of dollars heading overseas. You know, and it's it's just like, you know, as much as we're struggling in this country with issues of infrastructure and issues of unemployment, Medicare, Medicaid, medical in general... And then we all have these things going overseas, like for gendered programs in uh, Pakistan. I I just don't. It's like it's like I can understand why people want to shoot this thing down. It, it's just a big pork spending world bill where lobbyists can sneak in their uh, ridiculous whatever it is they want money spent on and you know they they know that if people like the president like uh, Ted Cruz like Rand Paul like Tulsi Gabbard if they complain then they have the you know the ability to say Oh, you don't care about the American people, blah, 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 blah. You know, these kind of lies. But none of that is true. It more has to do with the individual issues with the bill itself. It doesn't have to do with giving Americans aid or anything like that, which I think would be the biggest uh, plus for the bill, which people, which is why people are in support of it. But the lobbyists that try to put this bill forward, the senators and the representatives that are big in favor of this bill and big in favor of 
the little small policy and budget things that that go with it, the individual things that go with it, they, you know, want to obscure the issue and say you hate the whole bill and you don't want to help Americans when the crux of the matter is people do want to help Americans, but they also don't want other people helping themselves to our money, to our tax dollars, to the uh, financial uh, share of our future and our generations in the future. They're concerned about the money that's being spent and mounting in further debt. That's a lot of what they're concerned about. It's not so much that they don't want to help people. And uh, I think we're moving into an unusual place here and a very frustrating place. We have the president that is currently refusing to sign essentially what they call a pocket veto of uh, this coronavirus bill. But the other thing, you have um, a large waste of this money, but you have... Uh, hordes and hordes of Republicans uh, supporting this bill and supporting the misuse of funds to different countries. You have much of the Republican establishment uh, complaining about giving Americans $600 each, which many people say that's too much. Some people say that's too, too little. Um, but really... You have a case where, you know, Republicans are fine just handing out $600 or they even complain about just handing out $600 when they f- seem to be fine with handing out loads and loads to cash of cash to other countries. Now, this is the this is the frustration that I think a lot of Americans have and I think is a basis for why Trump was elected. The fact that, you know, it seems like we're willing to give our institutions a, a mere pittance of money while being willing to give other institutions in other countries gobs and gobs of cash. I mean, as much as we talk about public schools being underfunded and, and you know, uh, city infrastructure, water in, in Michigan being barely drinkable, you couldn't at least put a provision in there that, you know, we can get Flint to have healthy water before we give uh, countries like Pakistan money for gender programs? I mean, really. It seems like this country and lobbyists have had a field day with this with this coronavirus bill. It seems like there's a lot of this coronavirus bill that doesn't have a whole lot to do with coronavirus. That... We couldn't get funding for uh, relief for restaurants that have been essentially told by uh, the government in many of these states that they have to shut their doors or else face jail time or fines. We couldn't get any relief for them, but we can we can go you know bail out these and add money to you know these theater programs that are you know at a national level or add money to the Smithsonian 
is this really what what is you know necessary to be spending on this right now? I mean, maybe this is part of a democratic wish list. Is you know a thing like a theater or or something would be. Of course, I don't have any issue with that. If that's your thing, then you'd want funding for that. But still, we have a whole gobs of Republicans out here that are acquiescing to this sort of thing and not having a problem with it because they want to stay on Americans' good side. They want to be the person that goes back to their uh, constituents and says, hey, I got you $600. I pulled in the pork for you. You know, they don't want to upset the apple cart. They don't want to be the one that uh, causes the frustration. They don't want to be the one that causes the problem. But this kind of thinking is exactly what got Trump elected. This is exactly the, the kind of thinking that started out the mega movement. And if you go back, you know, to why Trump was elected, this is precisely the reason why. It not only had to do with the things that were going on with the Obama administration, it had to to do with the way the Republicans seemingly acquiesced to the things going on in the Obama administration. The ridiculous spending on uh, foreign aid, the ridiculous uh, expenditure of money that went to different lobbyist programs, that, my friends is what started the big push towards this, what we have now. And I got to say, I don't really like what the president's been doing in other regards, but I do fully support him blocking this bill. And it's sad that things like unemployment insurance or unemployment benefits are running out for many, many people that could use it right now, especially those, you know, who are put in a position where they they have some kind of, you know, uh, disease that, that makes, you know, being, going to work essentially a death sentence if they were to get the coronavirus. But it, it's wrong to use this, use them as leverage for convincing us to sign a crappy bill. It's, as much as people are saying it's, you know, it'll be Trump's fault that all these people run out of unemployment. We also have to take into account that these people, the people lobbying for this bill, are using these people and saying, ha, You'll be responsible for whatever happens if you don't agree to every single provision we want. You know, what kind of what kind of immoral and unethical leverage is that? You know, these people, they don't deal because they know that we look like the bad guys if we don't agree to every single one of their provisions. And that that's just screwed up. And as far as the actual funding going on in the bill, I... I I have to agree with the Republicans in a lot of ways. Why are we handing out checks of hundreds or even thousands of dollars to people that haven't lost their jobs, that haven't overall really been financially impacted that much by this bill? You know, there, there are people, you know, that have still made 
hundreds of thousands of dollars this year, or you know they've made eighty thousand, or they've made ninety thousand, or you know they weren't they weren't affected that much by this coronavirus financially. Why are we handing out uh, stimulus checks to them? I, I mean, this is not who we need to be helping. I agree that we should be helping, you know, those people that are legitimately financially impacted. But why do why does Bezos need <laughs> a six hundred dollar check? Why, why do many, many of these people need a $600 check? There are people that on the brink that, you know, they could, they could get shoved from their house. You know, they're on that brink of, I need that, that money or I'm not going to, you know, stay in my house. Those are the type of people that understandably, because they've been affected by this coronavirus in such a way, they could use that $600 or that $1,000 or that $1,200. But why are, we, why are we wasting the money that we could be giving to help people on people that don't need that help? It doesn't make sense, and it's, it's a waste. It's, it's using debt because you can it's using debt because you don't have the evaluative tools nor the patience to find out who needs the money and who doesn't need the money. It's uh it's pretty sick really in the last coronavirus bill how much uh you know some some of these companies they made off big, you know. A lot of these uh, companies meant to have like a small business bailout. It's amazing how, you know, many huge bonuses the many of these uh, uh, companies made off with their CEOs and their you know the their top shareholders. They made off of like gangbusters. All all this stuff, man. It, it's like. We're, we're handing out dollars to people and to these corporations that that don't need the money. So we might as well slow down a little bit, maybe even take it more provision by provision and see what we're actually passing here. You know, it's just the way they do these omnibus huge spending bills is just lazy. It's just it's just lame. You don't even know what you're you're voting on. You don't even. I think it was a phrase that was passed during the Obama administration. I think it was something that uh, Joe Biden had said about some bill that we need to pass the bill in order to find out what's in it. You know, just a joke, just a joke. Well, rather than out of the news, I think we have an uh, really unusual situation going on in the Music City right now. The Second Street area down by Broadway uh, incurred a yesterday morning, a Christmas Day bombing that blew out storefronts and injured several people. Uh, thank the Lord that uh, people weren't killed. 
thank the Lord that we had those brave Metro police officers out there evacuating the area as the warning on the RV bomb went off. And it went off in the 2nd Street area, just north of Broadway. And um, a lot of speculation is going on about. Um, I even heard something that uh, people said that the, the Dominion voting machines were located there and whoever it was was, you know, a Democratic operative trying to blow up the, the uh, Dominion voting machine evidence or something like that. No, uh, there would be much, much better ways of doing that without resorting to an RV bomb. No, 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 no. There was a particular reason why the RV was happened to be sitting there. And if you look on Google Maps where this location is on 2nd Street, it just happens to be right next to a blank building. And I don't know exactly what's in that building, but you can speculate what's in that building based off of the impact of the bomb itself. So the bomb went off, right? And then the whole region starts having some very sort of strange uh, effects. Uh, One cell service goes out all over the city of Nashville. 911 service goes out in the regional uh, Nashville area. And uh, another effect is the ZME frequency, which is the uh, regional uh, air traffic control frequency for the Memphis Regional Hub, goes out for several hours, which tells us quite a bit of information about what's possibly in the building. And it sounds like it's sort of a, a, a sort of a data hub inside this building. And it just so happens to also be right next to a uh, AT&T corporate office. So it seems likely that there's some kind of massive data route routing hub in this unmarked building. And whoever blew it up, whoever blew up this RV had intimate knowledge of what was in this building and for some unknown reason wanted to target it. Perhaps for nefarious purposes, perhaps for the purposes of revealing what's in the building. I'm not really sure. But it is a very strange case in that it's not like a normal terrorist bombing. In a normal terrorist bombing, the idea is to go to a fairly populated place, popular place with people, and take out a large number of people to make a political point, like ISIS would, like uh, Al-Qaeda would. But this isn't really that sort of a thing. It doesn't appear to be. And that is largely pointed to by evidence of people reporting that there was a warning message emanating from this RV of there was a bomb going to go off in 15 minutes. People needed to get out of the area. Now, if the goal was to kill and destroy as many people as possible, 
create widespread destruction and uh, do sort of a traditional terror bombing, why would they warn people that a bomb was about to go off? That doesn't make sense. But it seems to be something more, and I bet it has something to do with that building. There was a reason why the RV was parked there. And what that exactly is, we can only really speculate, but I think we can make some educated guesses. Not saying we're coming to a conclusion here, but there were some educated guesses we can make. I don't know who this person was or why exactly they did it, but, I mean, they may have just essentially revealed a, a large weakness in our system in that, you know, someone can go attack a really, when you think about it, an easily unprotected location in a single city on a single city block and knock out uh, regional communications and national communications and disrupt that sort of thing very, very easily. They could go take that out very easily and create all these issues because the data is routed to this really somewhat unsecure and uh, easily attacked building. And all these effects happen. Now, we've also heard over the last week of the, the Russian hacking that has gone on in uh, the highest levels of our data when it comes to national security. That they, These uh, cybersecurity experts have said there's been a major breach in our cybersecurity information. And now it seems to me that we also have this other indication that uh, our digital infrastructure is easily taken out and attacked. Now, I don't know what for what purpose this person has done it. Obviously not a good purpose, but I think it, in collectiveness, it shows there are major issues with our infrastructure being unprotected, being open to uh, attack. Since this person who had an RV bomb could clearly take out regional communications in the Tennessee and Mid-South area. So maybe if not for nefarious purpose, for evil purposes, for the purpose of terrifying uh, Tennesseans, this has shown us something, that our national infrastructure is exposed, that we are easily uh, jabbed and stabbed in a weak place, and we're going to struggle with that if open to attack. This reminds me of a different event, uh, an event that happened two years ago. Uh, we're in uh, Ellensburg, Washington, home of Central Washington University. Now, it was a normal day, normal afternoon at Central Washington University until 
There were reports of an active shooter situation going on on campus. Many, many people were off campus, luckily, at the time. Uh, but there were still people on and about campus. And the whole campus locked down rather quickly. People got into positions. Uh, people, kids and students, barricaded the library. Uh, there was a massive panic, massive rumors going on that day. And it ended up being a false alarm. But I do recall that it took uh, law enforcement quite a long time to sweep all buildings and to actually determine that there was never an attack in the first place. That it had been a false alarm. Furthermore, a false event. And this essentially is what happened. And it showed our reaction time, our ability to be prepared for an emergency situation was stunted. That we were essentially unprepared for the reality of living in the 21st century where there might be a horrible type of attack like this in a place like a public university. That day, I think, could teach us things. Could teach us how we are unprepared for exactly what's coming next. How if institutions don't uh, work at and prepare for the worst, then they will receive the worst. Then they won't be able to react properly when things happen. And maybe, I don't know, this is just my speculation, my understanding of what's going on in Nashville. Maybe what we've seen is that we aren't prepared for a larger attack by Russia. Maybe if this person who is just in an RV bomb, who is just one person or a small group of people in an RV can go cripple our regional uh, digital infrastructure, then what else could a well-funded cyber hacking group from an enemy force do against us? Do against our infrastructure? This is the question. We, we, these are serious questions we ought to be asking ourselves. Are we ready for possible attacks in other countries? Yeah, we might be armed to the teeth. But are we ready to respond in defense for something like uh, regional and national infrastructure going out? like a cyber hacking into our power systems. Are we ready for that? These are just a few thoughts I have on today's um, The Take with Drew Malone. Thanks for stepping in the frame, and we'll see you later.